and welcome to Two Profs in a Pod. I'm Tanisha. I'm Beth. And we are faculty from Glendale Community College in Arizona. And today we are so excited because the topic that we are focusing on today is gamification. So we are really, really, really excited. Uh, We are excited for the topic. We're looking forward to talking about the topic. We're also looking forward to who we have for our guests on today. So Beth, would you like to introduce who we have with us on our podcast today? Yes, we are joined by Polly Laubach, who is GCC's training and development consultant in our Center for Teaching, Learning, and Engagement. Polly teaches in our psychology department. She attended University of New Mexico, and she has a master's in sport and exercise psychology. And hi, Polly. Hi, Beth. Hi, Tanisha. And I won't say hi to our other guest yet. (laughs) And we are also joined by Michael Strong, who is GCC's co-director of the Honors Program. He is faculty in Geographical Sciences and Sustainability. He attended University of Maryland College Park and has a doctorate in Geographical Sciences. Welcome to Mike. Hi, everybody. Hi, Beth. Hi, Tanisha. Hi, Polly. Hi, Hi, everybody else. (laughs) Welcome, everyone. We are so looking forward to this topic. I know I am looking forward to this topic because I find it to be really interesting, but we have everyone gathered today uh, because we are focusing on a, I would say, a useful strategy that can be helpful when focusing on engagement and motivation. I think as instructors, um, we are always trying to figure out how can we have our students engaged How can we have our students motivated? And this is one of the reasons why we're talking about this subject today, because I think as instructors, we're always looking for ways to engage and motivate because we want to create a learning environment where our students, for the most part, can come into the classroom and and be excited for learning, be engaged, be motivated, especially with some of those topics or subjects that are a little bit more difficult to kind of get students engaged in. This might be helpful to someone out there who is looking for ways to um, improve engagement and motivation. And those who are listening may actually discover and find that they've probably already been doing gamification and they didn't even know. And uh, after this episode, you'll definitely be aware and you might say to yourself, you know what, I have been doing gamification for a while. So uh, we have lots of information for you today and um, we hope that you enjoy the episode. So we're going to jump into our episode. You guys are probably tired of hearing me talk. So let's go ahead and just jump right into some of the questions that we have for for everyone on today. Well, and I thought it would be a good idea if we started with just what is it? Because I think we can find different answers to that question depending on where we're looking. And even amongst the four of us, we've probably all implemented gamification in different ways and we might even define it differently um, with each other. So. Um, We can probably all agree on that it is a strategy that uses activities and rewards to promote student engagement, right? Keeping that very broad. Definitely. Um, There's a book called Game On, Gamification, Gameful Design, and the Rise of Gamer Education by Kevin Bell, published in 2018, that differentiates between gamifying and gameful design, And to me, when I look at those two terms and sort of how he defined them, we can make a a game of an activity and saying we're using gamification and it lasts one class period. Um, 
if we're looking at gameful design, it's maybe a little bit more in depth, right? Where we're looking at those motivators and concepts that uh, already exist in games that are successful and then kind of attempting to layer those same principles into the classroom and, and or online activities. Um, what, Polly, do you want to add anything to that? What is it? What is gamification? I think gamification is really taking the concepts of games and then adding that in with learning. So taking why people like to play games and incorporating that into your academic courses. So do you you have an example? I'd I'd like to just ask everybody here, do you guys like to play games? I do. Yes. I mean, I, I don't, I guess I don't know a whole lot of people who don't enjoy games, but I enjoy games. I think they're fun. They're interesting. I mean, it takes me all the way back to board games and then also being in like in school and playing games like Oregon Trail. I'm sure a lot of us might remember Oregon Trail. That's one of my favorite games ever. Yes. And, and so many like people a know true geographer. That <laughs> from a young age obviously yes. yeah <laughs> so Tanisha you like to play games because they're fun yeah Beth and Michael why do you guys like to play games I mean I I think the word fun is is pretty clearly the answer for me um it's enjoyable it it helps me you know break up my day it makes me think uh you know beyond you know myself and I get to experience other things and get out of my head for a while and so it's it's just a way to relax you know Mm-hmm. For me, cooperating as a team, and I'm talking about sports now because I played sports growing up and being part of that team and having a common goal, and then, of course, winning. So winning, fun, relaxing, all those are gaming concepts. So taking those concepts and blending them into learning would be gamification. For example, um socializing so you can have gamification in your class where people have to work together toward a common theme you can have gamification where it's fun so you can actually um, like many people probably already like you said use gamification such as an icebreaker those are games and they're fun you get to meet each other other students so it's just taking the concepts of why people like to play games and then bringing them into your class so the social component, having people work together toward a common goal. There's always winning, being the winner. Maybe you win something. And it could be you win a grade or you win some bragging rights. Those are just I find a that the competition element is is very helpful, right? It really brings out the the engagement from from the students is that competition element. Everybody likes winning. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the important things, too, about the competition is it doesn't have to be student against student. Competition could be the class. And I'm saying against or versus, and I don't mean that in a negative way at all, but it could be the class versus the teacher. It could be each individual student versus time. Um, it could be a- a, the student competing against themselves, right? Yes. I want to best my last score or I want to, I want to, you know, see how far I can make this. Yes. Happen. So I don't think competition has to be something that's going to turn into something negative. Could be competing against maybe a previous class. Oh, Mm -hmm. Polly's previous class, only this many students did this activity. How about we try to beat that goal this semester as a class? Mm -hmm. Or one section against another if you're teaching multiple sections of the same class. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm, I'm starting to hear too ways that gamification can also increase community. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Especially with the collaboration competitive piece, because you can have students, you know, earn points for rewards on their own individually, or you can have them do it in teams or in mm-hmm. groups. So that's another way to kind of build that sense of community throughout the class as well. And it's, it's really helpful early on. I don't want to get ahead of us, you know, but I, I find, I mean, that's, this is the reason why icebreakers work so well, because it helps to build that rapport in that community very early on. And so games are a familiar way to get into that early in the, in the course when people are still very shy and might not want to raise their hand and answer a question because they might get it wrong and look really bad. But if you're getting it wrong in front of a room full of friends, right, that's not as bad of a big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Really good point. Excellent point. And we thought it might be useful to have a little list of uh, what gamification might look like. And maybe some of these sound familiar to you. So even having points um, or teams or a leaderboard or badging, the ideas of cooperation and competition, quests, levels that students can achieve are all uh, concepts sort of associated with gamification, and some of those might sound familiar to you, or you might be using them. What does the research say about gamification? I did a little reading on this topic, very little reading. I did find an article from 2018 called Gamified Learning in Higher Education, a systematic review of the literature, which um, arrived at three conclusions from their literature review, and that is that gamified learning improves student attitude, engagement, and performance. There's nothing wrong with that. No, not Uh, at all. (laughs) That points, badges, and leaderboard are the most used elements in gamification, and that graphics, points, and levels are the most used game elements in game-based learning. So that's all I've got on the research, but we will share that article and uh, a couple others on our show notes afterwards. So how have you used gamification in the classroom? Let's start with Polly. (laughs) Well, that's kind of has a little bit of a funny story to it. As Beth mentioned before, I'm in the CTLE at our campus and For those of you that know me, you know that I am a Game of Thrones junkie. I'm actually wearing a Targaryen t-shirt as we speak. One of the benefits of working from home, you get to wear your your favorite t-shirts. Nothing wrong with Game of Thrones. Nothing at all. No, nothing. We might have to do an episode on Game of Thrones one time. Kidding. Um, Maybe not. So what happened is my boss, the marvelous Megan Kennedy, said, Polly, you should you should have a Game of Thrones something. And I was like, yeah, we could do like um, kind of like a lunch and learn for people, faculty and staff. We can all come together and talk about Game of Thrones. And she pushed me on it. She said, well, what about you need to have an online format as well because not everybody will come and I was like oh man you're right that's great so my first attempt at gamification was with Game of Thrones and I created a canvas course that faculty and staff could log into and it was all happening during that last season of Game of Thrones and I put 
together some activities for faculty they could read up on, brush up on their knowledge on the Lannisters or the Targaryens or, you know, the different families. And I put together some games using a fantastic program called Genially. And I also used the program called Suede. I made these elements inside of Canvas designed to be very colorful and interactive because while I think Canvas is a fantastic tool, to me, it's very flat. It's bland. It's it's literally black and white. And so I looked for things to bring color and also not just for how people to read. I wanted them to be engaged with the material. So I learned a couple of new programs. I put together these um, like little Easter eggs and little quizzes that everybody could take. And the idea was that they could earn these really cool badges that we had a variety of people designing and, you know, kind of like to show, hey, I know my Game of Thrones content. And so that was my first attempt was with Game of Thrones and just using a couple of different programs. And while there's a lot of different methods that will work with gamification, I knew I wanted to take it to the classroom. And I, I liked that idea that people were participating, even though it didn't impact a a class grade or a score. And I kind of wanted to take that into my classroom. So I used the idea and I built my current class. It's a psychology 101 class. And it's all really centered around badges that students can use, um, can earn badges. So I set it up with Canvas modules and they can have their badges distributed to them. And I also have a leaderboard that I track. And again, there's no points. Students don't get any points for participating in any of these activities, but they earn these badges by doing practice quizzes. That was another thing I really wanted more students to do is like, take the practice quiz. Why won't you take the practice quiz? Please take the practice quiz. So I wanted to make the practice quizzes um, more enjoyable. So I used one of those platforms to kind of make it like a colorful gaming feel. And then I've also put together a lot of additional supplementary reading material that they didn't have to read, but I wanted them to read. wasn't required by the textbook, wasn't required by the curriculum. But how do you entice them to read something that they don't want to read? Like getting them sometimes to read the required content is difficult. So I started embedding Easter eggs into these supplemental research or the supplemental reading content. And if they found an Easter egg, they got a badge. And the badges were all themed, like they had themes to them based upon the tool and content that was co being covered. And I gave them fun names and I gave them really fun descriptions. And um, I set them up so students could share them on their social media sites so they could show their friends that, you know, they won the treasure ship or they are now the farm whisperer. So <laughs> I just tried to make them clever and catchy. And then periodically... Throughout the semester, I always give some kudos to the leaderboard. So who's at the top? I'd send out a message. So congratulations to blah, 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 and blah, 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 for being the top two on our leaderboard. Great job. And then at the end of the semester, I essentially give out um, some prizes to the top winners on the leaderboard. They don't know that in advance, 
Um, so it's all just based upon really hopefully their intrinsic motivation to achieve something. Also some extrinsic motivation. They are getting an award, those badges, which are, they're pretty cute and clever in my opinion, but there's no points. So my concept of gamification really is revolving around a leaderboard and badges. And I'm trying to play on both intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, but I also wanted the badges to be cool and colorful and something that they'd be proud to put on their Facebook or on their Twitter account. Um, Jared Chapman, he's from the university or probably Utah Valley University. He's really created some mind blowing games that in my opinion have taken gamification in our academic world to a whole different level. So while mine is based upon leaderboard and badges, there are so many other different formats that can be used. And I know everybody that's in this podcast today has done gamification in a little bit different way. So for me, it's about a leaderboard and the badges. Hmm. Thank and you. it all started with Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. And you know, we want to ask. So are more students doing those optional activities Absolutely. On the practice quizzes, 100 percent, because I I can see them going in and taking them over and and multiple times to get their score higher Mm -hmm. Um, on the supplemental readings. I don't know if they're just going in and looking for the embedded Easter egg to get their badge. But even if that's the case, at least they're going in and they're seeing pictures and they're seeing headlines. They're seeing something that might stick which they would not have gone and seen before if I didn't have it already created. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool, Polly. I do have about a third of the class that it is competitive. They are all working to get all of the badges. I have um, about a third of the class that does a, about half of them. You know, they're in it. They're not necessarily participating in every single opportunity to get a badge. And then, you know, I have a couple that are just like, Meh, I'll just do the ones that's required, which says that I've read your syllabus and I've <laughs> signed the agreement that I understand what the class is about. So it seems like the law of thirds applies in many things, including in my class of gamification. <laughs> you know, Polly, I think that's that's really interesting because I actually observed more students participating when I started to employ gamification techniques as well. Um, but more importantly, the students were taking risks and trying something that maybe they wouldn't have tried before and and failing and being okay with that. But then afterwards, they would ask me, well, what do I need to do to get the badge? How can I make this better? And that is really the, the best part of the entire process because now the student is engaged in the learning and the student wants to improve, right? They're not seeking a grade. I mean, they're seeking the badge, but the badge isn't associated with the grade. So right, what they're really seeking is to master the concept, which is what every teacher wants the student to do. So yeah, I, I thought it was, it was really helpful and really engaging. Um, and I, I came to this process completely differently, right? And I, I never called it gamification when I started. I didn't realize I was doing gamification until somebody else told me that's what you're doing. You're doing gamification. So when I went through this process, I teach geography and geography has a bad rap when it comes to what a geography classroom is like. And students associate that with taking horrible map tests and failing miserably because they cannot 
they cannot score a high grade on a map test, right? Americans are notorious, notoriously bad about with this. So I wanted to reframe how I think about my classroom and reframe how I think about my students. Um, traditionally, the students would come into the classroom and they're A students, they have 100%. And then over the course of the semester, we take points away from them and they slowly see their grade fall from A to B to C. And I wanted to reposition that. I wanted it to be, you come into the classroom with an F and you work towards getting an A, you demonstrate that you have mastered the concepts over the course of this semester. And so that really started me thinking, well, okay, not specific learning objectives, like list all the countries in Europe, but like when a student completes world geography, what should they be able to do? And so I started to categorize all of my individual assignments into these big, broad picture skills that a student should be able to do and started to think about how do I demonstrate, what, what kinds of learning demonstrates that the student has mastered this concept while also recognizing that all students aren't good at all things. Some students are really great at taking tests. Some students are really great at giving presentations. Some students have strong writing skills. Some students have good oral skills, but their written skills are not so great. Some students are very creative and others not so much. And so I started to think about these big picture things that I want to achieve in my classroom and also the various ways in which people are able to demonstrate learning, recognizing there's no one correct approach. And when I did that, I developed a passport system because the theme was geography. And so I bought little passport books and a, a system of stamps. And I assigned each stamp to a different concept that I wanted the students to master. And because I still felt like I had to give a grade, I associated a certain number of stamps with a grade. So once you achieved you know, 10 stamps, you cross the threshold to a D. Once you achieve 15 stamps, you cross the threshold to a C. Uh, so it was really hard to get to that first grade threshold, but then it became a little bit easier to cross to the next threshold because I wanted the students to see once I've achieved this initial level, I want to keep going. And, you know, it's getting easier for me to go also knowing that they're learning more concepts through this process. Um, they're mastering more things. And that was a little bit of a hard sell for the students at first, the idea that there is no grade because the mastery concept extended into the individual assignments themselves. And what that really did is it took away the I'm an A student, I'm a C student, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a ho-hum performer, right? Because mastery is mastery. So a student would receive a grade of mastery on their assignment and say, yeah, but Dr. Strong, what grade did I really get? Um, you got mastery, but no, what is that? Is that an A, is that a B? you have mastered it, right? So this whole comp competition became, I've mastered the concepts or I haven't mastered the concepts. And really the student's able to demonstrate the learning or they haven't demonstrated the learning. And the best part was if the student couldn't demonstrate the learning on the assignment due in the first week, they could try again in the second week because it was mastering skills. It wasn't mastering very specific pieces of information. And that really helped improve the 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 mentality of the students and their, their motivation, right? They became much more engaged. They started raising their hands. They were taking risks. They were answering questions. They were submitting assignments that typically would have had a very low submission rate just to see, just to see, am I doing well? And the reason I embedded that mastery threshold in was so that I wouldn't get a whole lot of really crappy assignments, right? So somebody might be thinking, oh, well, you had to design all of these assignments. Then you had to grade all of the assignments. This sounds like a nightmare having that threshold level of requirement allows for the students to realize, okay, I do have to put something into this. And then I got a lot better 
activities after the first round when I started giving that positive feedback and the reinforcement. And then that freed up the classroom to do all sorts of fun things. And we were able to play games in the classroom. We were able to take the learning and, and make it competitive, but in a nice, fun way. So I'll give you an example of one assignment that I did. We were learning about Europe. And I, you know, I did a little introduction to Europe. I assigned them, of course, some more traditional readings online to do in advance of class. And then when we came into class that day, I divided the classroom. I had, I think, 12 students. So it was two teams of six. And I gave them the assignment. Your job is to create a game to teach about Europe for somebody who might be in grades like five through seven. So what would you do to teach these exact same concepts to somebody who's at like the age of 13 to 14? And the, the group that comes up with the best game, you get a badge, right? Because I also used badges. I moved from the passport model with all the stamps because that became difficult for me to manage, but also it was very individual, right? Only the student who had the passport book knew how many stamps they had. So I switched over to badges because it was able to be embedded into the Canvas course site. Of course, I also, full disclosure, talked to Polly who sold me on Badger. And <laughs> so... I embedded Badger into my Canvas site, and then I was able to take advantage of the leaderboard. And so each day we would pull up the leaderboard and be like, oh, look, you know, Sleepy Sleepy Turtle has, you know, seven badges and, and because they do animal names. And, and Crazy Coyote is, is gaining quickly on Sleepy. I'm making these up. I don't actually remember what they're called, but... Um, and and so it became it became a process every day for the students to you know be you know and they would they would say hey that's me i'm i'm crazy coyote right and so they were excited about the process themselves and and so i really enjoyed that because it took the onus of of you know the the whole mentality around geography is a horrible subject and made it fun Right. It made it something they were looking forward to doing. It made it something that they wanted to learn about. And they were learning on their own, by their own choice, because when they had 15 different assignments to choose from, they they were selecting. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I want to do this. And it put a lot of responsibility. I will tell you, the first semester that I did it, when I asked for feedback and I said, hey, what did you think about this model? How did you like it? And, you know, I got the, oh, it was a lot of work. But immediately after that, I got the, but you made me accountable for my own learning. And I liked that I had choices. I got to create the learning process. You didn't just tell me what to do. And I think that's really, really important. That's really powerful in, in a gamification process where the students get to actually be the masters of their own game. Michael, I think what you've done is brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I and I I would say it's a pretty sophisticated form of gamification for just starting out um, because you're giving students so much choice. I mean, it was you, very scary for me. You I will let, tell you that you let go of a lot of control. Yeah, right. it was really scary. That very first semester when I was up in front of the room, I was like, in the back of my mind, I was mentally crying because I'm like, if this fails, it fails miserably, right? So we were all in. It was either going to be amazing or it was going to be absolutely atrocious. And, you know, I was willing to roll the dice to mm -hmm. use a gaming metaphor. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I think that it, 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 absolutely, it absolutely can work, right? But it is going to be scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that brings up a good point. We are going to get to tips later, but we could just throw this tip in, right? Like, you really have to be willing to, even on a small scale, take a risk, right? And right. be okay with it not working. Right. And and being, being 
hopefully pleasantly surprised that it does work. How about you, Tanisha? What what have you done in your classroom that's that you'd call gamification? Well, mine um, was is more of an offline thing that I did when we were in per classes, and I created this game called uh, Game of Gauchos, which was inspired by Game of Thrones. Uh, for those who are listening who don't know, our, our our college mascot is a gaucho. So I just created this this game called Game of Gauchos, where um, students had to um, create houses because if you're familiar with game of thrones there are different houses that are competing for the crown so you have like for example house lannister you have like house Tar- the house lannister house stark so the students um i put them in groups um and then they had to create their houses so their houses they came up with their name they came up with their their motto they came up with you know uh an emblem there was a time where they had to create an emblem so that was all about um, group identity and group cohesion uh, because the class that this is all for is for small group communication, my small group communication class. So it gives them an opportunity to uh, come together as a group and they actually have to create these houses and they compete in these houses uh, throughout the semester. There's about four to five games that they play. Um, I, I created the scenario, like they, everyone gets a game packet so um, after I put them in their groups, they get this game packet and it, it creates a scenario like the king is dying and the king, you know, uh, needs to find a house that can take over the kingdom. So the king created the, the game of gauchos uh, to find a house that's worthy to take over the kingdom. And uh, whoever wins the games wins the kingdom. They win the prize. So. Uh, the students are then put into their houses, they create their houses, they compete in these games. So like one of the games is what I call the innovation test because they're, they're all different tests. So the innovation test is the first game. And this is a game where they have to build towers out of popsicle sticks and masking tape. And whoever builds the highest tower wins and then they get points. And then the points are put into a leaderboard that I put into Canvas. So I use points and I use leaderboards for the game of Gaucho's game. Uh, so when it comes to the reward, uh, they get points for participation. They also get points for um, the, fi- the last two exams of the course. So how that works is whoever wins the games, they don't have to take the last two exams of the course. They're actually given those points for free. So which for me was incentive because when I was trying to think about what would be incentive for the game? I, you know, at first I thought, oh, you know, a little bit of little, let's sprinkle in a little bit of extra credit. But I was like, you know what? I don't think that's a strong enough motivator. And this happened in the middle of class when I was kind of presenting this. And I was like, oh yeah, the reward's going to be extra credit. And then I said, you know what? No, we're going to up the ante just a little bit. How about the last two? You don't have to take the, your group doesn't have to take the last two exams. You're exempt from the exams. You don't have to worry about it. So that kind of was like a motivator. They were like, I don't want to take the last two exams. If I don't have to take them, then I'm not, hey, if I can, if I can work towards that, then I can. So that's kind of how I put my game together. Uh, before kind of coming up with the game of gauchos, it, it used to just be games, just, you know, just for a little bit of fun, a little bit of participation, a little bit of group work. And then it evolved into game of gauchos. So that's how I use it in my classroom. Uh, one of the ways I kind of tried to gauge whether or not, you know, if they learned anything <laughs> from any of the games 
was that um, in several couple, several years ago, um, I did like a really informal analysis of um, what's called a group role paper, where they kind of had to write about their group roles. And uh, 23 out of the 43 papers mentioned the games without being required to mention it in their paper. So about 53% mentioned the games um, when it came to kind of really associating the games with group roles, which is a concept in the course. Um, and they also did a pretty good job of when it came to the grading rubric, they did a really good job of connecting the content uh, of the course to the games as an example when it came to really describing group roles. So they did get some, um, they did learn something from it when it came to the games. I'd like to go any deep, even deeper when it comes to the research analysis. But um, I, I, I found that my students found it to be really, really, to be really, really fun and really interesting. And they were really engaged and motivated. They were like competing with each other, especially when it came to the leaderboard because everyone could see the leaderboard. So they could really, really see how, how everyone was doing um, I feel like if anything, I, I remember, I know, uh, Beth, you mentioned, what does the research say about gamification? And one of the things that I came across when it came to looking at this article, they talked about what, what students liked about gamification. And one of the things that they liked is that gamification fostered enthusiasm. So students were really excited to really engage. It also provided them, another thing that students like about gamification is that it provides feedback on their performance, which is another thing that students liked as well. Um, it, another thing that students like, it provides a need for recognition. So students are recognized for their work. And then um, another thing that gamification that students like from the study that I read is that um, it promotes goal setting. So students had a specific goal that they were trying to hit when they were kind of going through the game. So, so I felt like some of the things that, um, that are enjoyable about gamification is something that can be found in the examples that were provided on the podcast today. Hmm. I think, Tanisha, hearing you talk about this again, and this is something you and I have talked about before, it does sound really similar to the ways that I've used gamification. Um, I just had a different theme, and that was a zombie apocalypse. And you know, basically the students were in their zombie apocalypse teams and the goal was to survive being in a one day a week hybrid class, um, which the whole idea just arose out of my own desperation because the success rates were not that good because it's hard to be in a course where you only see somebody else in that course one day a week. Um, and so it, you know, I feel like I did some of the things that you did, right? Like some, like that kind of overall theme or story, how are we going to survive? And then using that overall theme for some of the activities in any way I could kind of crowbar in the scenario to English 102 and conducting research, you know, I, I tried to do, um, and then gave points to teams for things that would increase their sur their survival in a hybrid course, which is like showing up to class in person, um, you know, turning in assignments online on time, um, some of the skills that actually would make for success in a college class. So, um, 
Yeah. And I mean, just tracking the success rates in that particular course over a few semesters, it definitely, it had an impact on student success rates. It had an impact on my own enthusiasm uh, for the course. And I think it definitely had an impact uh, on the enthusiasm from the students, um, you know, based on the in, uh, improvement in success rates. So, Beth, I think you bring up an excellent point about if you're going to try it, you have to bring your own excitement. And I'll share a story. So my first semester that I incorporated gamification, I was really excited. Great participation. The second semester was spring 2020. <laughs> so we all know what happened in spring 2020. And I believe that I probably didn't bring that excitement. And I saw, I saw some drops in the participation. And then last fall, I was like, I need to bring it back. And so when I brought back my own excitement and, you know, those periodic mentions of look who's at the top of the leaderboard, sleepy turtle or silly porcupine. If when I brought that excitement, it brought more participation from the students. So if you're going to try gamification, um, make sure you, your students know that it's important to you because if it's not important to you, it's probably not going to be important to them. Mm -hmm. And you transition us nicely into our, what is one gamification tip you would offer to our listeners, right? If somebody's out there who is thinking, Oh, I could use that motivation for myself or my students or whatever their unique situation is, right? What's one tip you would offer to that person as they, as they approach it? Well, the research basically is stating that gamification works for all demographics, whether you're 60 years old, 16 years old, it works for gender, race, socioeconomic status. It's not going to, it, it's going to work, but it's not for every instructor. Um, so if you're thinking about possibly incorporating gamification into your class, I think you need to ask yourself a very important question, which is, do you like to play games? Some people don't like to play games. And it does, when you're asking your, that question, it doesn't have to be a video game. My favorite games are playing Euchre and 500. Those are card games that we play or apples to apples. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a video game. Just ask yourself if you like to play games. If you like to play games, then my tip is to um, give yourself time to think about how you want to incorporate it because there's so many different ways, whether you do an entire class with a, a theme like Game of Thrones was or the Game of Gaucho, whether you do many little games like I did in my psychology classes for each of the modules, they had you know a different little theme. There's just so many different approaches to gamification. So I think my tip is, Give yourself some time to really think about your design. Good tip. What have you got, Mike? I, I would say that, that that's excellent advice. Um, if you want to apply gamification to an entire course, right, you definitely want to make sure that you have a solid theme uh, before you go into that. If you want to have a, a particular game that you're, you're doing for a single course session, right, ask yourself, what makes a board game 
exciting. Like why do board games work versus not work? Why does a video game work, but it doesn't work? And you'll see that there's a world that this game is situated within. And that typically is, is, is really important as a geographer, right? That that's the foundation for the, for the game itself is the world that it's based in. So think through those themes. Um, but, and I know that for, for somebody who's just beginning to come to this concept that this all can sound very overwhelming. So my tip would be start with something you're already familiar doing, right? Um, most of us are probably familiar with Kahoot as, as a software, which we can use in our classroom to, you know, quiz our students. Um, so I would, I would ask you to build a quiz in Kahoot, but take it up just one additional level, right? Put yourself not as the instructor showing the Kahoot to your students, but rather as a game show host, and this is a classroom in which your students are all game show participants, right? So make a big deal out of the fact that after each question is answered, you'd get to see who was the first person in, who got it correct, how many people got it correct, right? And celebrate, you know, as individuals start to change their ranks, celebrate that, make it a big deal because that's adding that surprise, that's adding that element of suspense and right, the, the momentum is building towards the final question. And that's really creating that competition, but in a friendly way in your classroom in a familiar format. And then if, if the students respond well to that, and I promise you they will, right? They will, they will respond well to that. Uh, then go ahead and, and start something, something different. Maybe do something in your next class that has a slightly different theme and branch out or, or start to theme your cahoots, right? Associated with whatever your topic happens to be. It doesn't have to be an entire course upfront, right? You do not have to think through 15 solid weeks of, of games before you employ gamification. One single activity for 10 minutes in a classroom setting is all it takes to get started. And I promise you, you're probably already doing 90% of what it takes to be there anyway. Yeah, I like that. Start small. Try something. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Don't be afraid, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay if it doesn't work. It's completely okay. Mm -hmm. And you can tell the students, right, we're going to play a Kahoot game. Today's game doesn't have any points associated with it. We're just going to try it, right? Make it part of your review session for an exam. If you do reviews for exam, have that be your game day. Mm -hmm. Along with what Michael is saying is I try to take this approach with everything, not just gamification, is try it. If it fails, ask yourself, was it a bad delivery or was it a bad idea? If it was just bad delivery, make some changes. If it was a bad idea, then make some changes. But you're never going to know unless you don't start trying some of it. Yeah. And yeah. don't be afraid to ask the students what they thought about it. Right. They're going to be shy at first. They're probably not going to tell you because they're not accustomed to being asked, what can I do better in a classroom setting? Right. How can I help you do better? Every time I have ever asked students for that kind of feedback, they all kind of look at each other like, what is he trying to trick us into? Right. So, yeah. so if you have that open classroom where students really can provide valuable feedback and honest feedback, and you're receptive to that and you respond to that, the students are going to give you good feedback to make the next iteration better. They really will. Tanisha, you got a tip? Um, I think it's important to ask yourself, you know, why are you doing this? You know, why are you doing gamification? You know, really more specifically, what, um, what do you want the students to be, right? Like, what is the goal? Is it for them to play Kahoot? Like, I'm just going to use an example. Play Kahoot or play Plickers so that they can... Um, 
learn maybe more about a specific concept. Like I'm going to think about my class, like group roles. Like if my students struggle with group roles, I'm hoping that, you know, playing Kahoot and Plicker as well will hopefully increase their exam scores so that they can be improved and to get better. So I think you have to really under, uh, really ask yourself, really, um, you know, why are you doing this and what is the end goal? You know, um, some people may want to start with their course competencies to kind of get a sense of this is where I want my students to be. This is what I'm trying to achieve if you're not where to start. So that's kind of my tip is to really, really focus on the why and the what. You know, why are you doing this and what do you want to achieve out of out of gamification? Mm-hmm. Well, the, my tip is just to have fun. And I don't have anything more to add to that because it seems pretty simple to me. It should be fun. If it's not fun, don't do it. Isn't that the root of why we all play games to begin with? We mentioned a couple of things earlier, you know, whether it's to be with people or to relax or be teamwork. It still all boils down to it's something that we enjoy. It gives us a feeling of content and enjoyment. Yep. Okay, so now we are at the point in our usual episode where we talk about what's on our radar. And sometimes this is about something education related and and sometimes it's not. So we're going to ask our guests, what is on their radar? What is something coming up that you're excited about that you're looking forward to? Uh, Mike, let's start with you. So um, I, I feel like I live in a world where there can never be enough books and uh, so I uh, just just started reading uh, a book called My Own Words uh, by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And so I'm really excited because I'm learning an awful lot about the justice's earlier career um, well before I was born. And so I'm, I'm in her own words, reading her decisions, her, her early arguments, her, her articles. And I feel like I am really growing as a person understanding how far we've come and how far we still have to go as a, as a nation of individuals and really beginning to learn how pivotal her work was in getting us over that threshold to seeing um, seeing women as equals. And so I think I'm, I'm really excited to see how the book ends. I, I, we're, we're almost there. So that's that's where I'm at right now. That's awesome. We're going to link to that book too in our show notes for our listeners. Okay, Polly. Um, boy, after Mike's example, I'm a little nervous to share mine. Uh, but what is on my radar is HBO's House of the Dragon. It is going to be the creep, the prequel to Game of Thrones. So I read the books. They're all sitting here next to me. Um, But the new series is scheduled to possibly be released in 2021. And some of the actors that they have already selected for some of the main roles are actors I'm familiar with. And I'm excited to see a new new brand of HBO interpretations of the brilliant mind of George R.R. Martin. Okay. Very poly answer right there. (laughs) it's great okay Tanisha right now the thing that's on my radar is a show on Disney plus called WandaVision Uh, the story evolves around uh, this is part of the Marvel universe so no surprise that I'm into it 
So it revolves around uh, Wanda Maximoff, who is also known as the Scarlet Witch in Vision, uh, two characters from the Marvel Universe. And uh, the story behind it, it's really interesting because it, how it starts out, it's, it's, it's really different and fresh. Uh, you're kind of taken through um, kind of her perspective and this vision. Uh, I'm trying to be careful because I don't want to ruin anything, but the really great thing about it is that you start watching it and, and you really don't understand what's going on. But as you go through it, there are pieces that start coming together that makes, that makes the picture more whole. So it, it's really intriguing because the whole time you're trying to figure out, well, well what is going on here? Like, I know who the, the characters are uh, for the most part, but there's still a big question mark of what is really going on. And right now where the story is at, it's, it's really starting to unravel. So I definitely recommend WandaVision. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot about that. A lot of, a lot of buzz. Yeah. Okay. I don't have anything book or show related for the first time. Um, and it's because I randomly ran into one of my former students a couple of days ago. And so we didn't have time to chat because I was having an important meeting in a couple of minutes. So uh, we're getting together later this week. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just total coincidence that we ran into each other and we're going to get to connect again. So I'm super excited about that because this former student and I tend to have really odd, like we run into each other at places and times and we're like, I'm I'm excited to see him and tell him what is going on with this weird synchronicity we have. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Do we have a nugget? Yes, today? we do. We do have yes, a nugget. We do have a nugget. We have a surprise nugget because um, Today is the birthday of our producer, Cheryl Colon. She's also the instructional developer for our Center for Teaching, Learning, and Engagement. And it's her birthday. So we're leaving her, as Polly called it earlier, a little secret Easter egg <laughs> to say happy birthday to her so that when she listens to the recording, she'll find it. So happy, happy birthday, Cheryl. Happy, happy birthday, birthday, Cheryl. Birthday. All right. Thank you, Thank everybody. You. Thank you, Beth and Tanisha, for hosting this and bringing gamification um, to your program. I, I, it's something that makes me very excited and very happy. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much. It's, it's really interesting to hear other ways to do it. Um, and just it, because you all have different disciplines, it's so exciting to hear how you're doing it in your discipline. And automatically the wheels are turning about how I could embed what you're doing in my classroom. Mm, I like it. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because I was already like, how can I do this mastery concept in psychology? What can I do different just to bring in, it's just a different level of gamification. And I, I think it's brilliant. I loved hearing it. Thank you. And this means we're going to have to come back for a gamification part two. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to check back in. Well, if the people demand it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it is growing on campus. More and more people are starting to do badges. It is. And what's yeah. really exciting is that it's done differently every single time and it's lovely every time. Mm -hmm. Great. 
Well, thank you so much to the both of you for joining us for our episode vacation. It was really great having you on board. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it too. And to our listeners out there, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you join us for our next episode of Two Props in the Pod. <laughs> if you want to wish me happy birthday, connect with us on Twitter. Follow at Two Props in a Pod or leave a comment on our blog at twoprofsinapod.blogspot.com. Remember, spell out the number two. Other ways to show your support, subscribe in your favorite podcast app, write a review on Apple Podcasts, or tell your colleagues about the show. Two Profs in a Pod is hosted by Beth Ayers, English faculty, and Tanisha Baca, communication faculty. The podcast is edited by Cheryl Colon, instructional developer, and is brought to you by the Center for Teaching, Learning, and Engagement at Glendale Community College in Arizona.